Welcome to AWS She Builds Tech Skills with your hosts, Maya and May. Hi, tech community. Welcome to lucky number episode 11 of AWS She Builds Tech Skills. I'm Maya, I'm a solutions architect from AWS, and I hope you all are having a great Thursday or Friday, uh, wherever you are in the world. And we'd love to hear where you're joining us from. So let's test out the chat function on the right-hand side here on Twitch. Now, we'll be using the chat function throughout today, so you can ask questions uh, about all the technical stuff, or you can ask questions about your career or, um, you know, anything that you're curious about. So today's guest, and we'll get to her in a minute, uh, Carolyn will be joining us live. So make sure you stick around and test out that chat functionality if you want to know what a technical account manager does in their day-to-day at AWS, as well as questions around cost optimization. Thanks, Mai. Hi, everyone. My name is May. I'm a solutions architect at AWS. I'm based in Sydney, Australia. So I want to know where is everyone joining from? If you're interested to be part of the show and want to be a presenter of the show, uh, please feel free to reach out to myself or my. And this week, we are going to talk about cloud financial management. And um, this is a special episode because we haven't talked about cloud uh, financial management in the past since we started uh, last year. So this is our 11th episode. And the first episode, we're going to talk about uh, a bit about still technical, but um, it's around how you're understanding your cost and usage on AWS. So cloud, cloud financial management evolve how you are organizing your costs, how you're understanding your cloud usage, um, how you're tracking your usage on AWS, especially if you have multiple AWS accounts. And uh, Caroline's going to talk about some of the tips and tricks, how you can save costs on AWS as well. But before we dive into that, I have a question for Mai because Mai has been talking to customers day in, day out. So Mai, like, I know you, you work with a lot of customers. How are your customer, you know, understanding your costs and also stay within their budget? Sure. So one of my customers wanted to know more about their cost and usage on AWS, and they decided to build their own cost and usage dashboard. And this is based on what Caroline will be presenting today. So we won't go too much in detail, but uh, AWS, we have a lot of solutions that will help you quickly get started in optimizing your costs. Now, speaking of which, cost optimization is an important part of the well-architected framework. And we do have recommendations in order for you to continuously save on costs uh, on your AWS workloads, whether it's for personal or business use. And as solutions architects and technical account managers, we're really invested in making sure that you're always saving on costs. Um, and make sure you set up AWS budgets so that you know you don't have any workloads that are running uh, when they're not supposed to be running, for example, EC2 instances that you're experimenting with. And if you don't need them running 24 by 7, make sure you shut them down so you're not accumulating that cost, especially for non-production workloads. Now, from a career perspective, though, if you're really interested in finding out what a technical account manager does, um, Carolyn will talk about that. But basically, uh, they're there to help our customers operate their AWS environment efficiently. So stick around for the live uh, Q&A with Carolyn, who can tell you all about her role. So get your questions ready. 
Now, speaking of our guest, uh, it is Carolyn. Carolyn Johnston, she is a technical account manager uh, at AWS and originally from the UK, now based in Wellington, New Zealand. Now, her career has taken a roundabout route to tech via a degree in molecular biology. How interesting. And a PhD in bioinformatics and postdoc roles in neuroscience research with a sideline supporting high-performance compute and research IT environments that's needed for high-throughput genetic studies. <laughs> what do you feel about that, May? Is that uh, that's... something you dabbled in? <laughs> no, not really, not even close, but that is very impressive. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so um, as a term, she works closely with enterprise support customers so they can operate securely, resiliently, and cost-efficiently on AWS. So let's hear it from Caroline. I'm Caroline, and I'm a technical account manager for AWS based in Wellington, New Zealand. I've been with AWS for about two years now, and I mainly work with our enterprise support customers to help them operate on our platform. So cloud is great in that it gives you access to a whole range of infrastructure and services at the touch of a button. Because you only pay for what you use, it makes it quite easy to experiment with new services and new features. There's no huge upfront hardware expenses. But this pay-as-you-go freedom does bring with it a challenge around keeping track of your resources and uh, keeping on top of your cost and usage, which can be quite a daunting prospect for new AWS users. So I thought in this session, I'd give you a quick rundown of some of the tools that are available to help. This is only a short session, so it's just going to be a quick overview, but I'll provide some links at the end in case you want more information. To start, I'm going to briefly review some fundamental security measures that you should take to protect your account and prevent unauthorized use. I'll then have a look at how you can organize your resources so it's easier to keep track of them. Uh, we'll then take a look at Cost Explorer and I'll demo our Athena and QuickSight dashboard solution built on top of the cost and usage report. Finally, I'll show you how to configure budgets, alert and act when you go over those budgets. The first step in staying on top of your cost and usage is to make sure that you're protecting your account from unauthorized use. Cloud security is a huge topic, so this is a bare minimum, not an exhaustive list. But if you haven't already done so, you should absolutely enable multi-factor authentication on your root account. Make sure once you've done that, that you're keeping the root email and phone number up to date. You need to be able to receive an email to that address and answer a phone call to that number if you ever need to recover your account due to a lost or damaged MFA token. If we don't have your valid contact details, then we have no way to verify your identity and recovering your account can be really difficult. Uh, generally, avoid logging in as the root user, except for the very few specific admin tasks that require it. Uh, use IAM to grant admin permissions to a non-root user instead for your day-to-day -day admin tasks. You should probably also be using MFA for your non-root users, at least for those with significant access permissions. Uh, disable root access keys if they've been enabled. There's no reason you should be accessing your root account computationally, um, and it's safer just not to have those keys. In fact, avoid using long-lived access keys wherever possible. Uh, you can use AWS security token temporary credentials uh, so that you can federate in users from an upstream identity provider and you don't have to worry about managing IAM users at all. With the launch of IAM roles anywhere, you can even use X509 certificates to allow your devices and servers outside of AWS to assume IAM roles. So there's really not many reasons to use access keys anymore. But if you really, really have to use them, make sure that you rotate them frequently so that you're minimizing the impacts if they ever get compromised. Um, and also just follow general security best practices. Make sure you're keeping your resources up to date, you're patching your servers, 
um, and uh, ensure that you're using least privilege access permissions. So give your IM roles only the minimum permissions that they need to perform their function. So let's take a quick look at how you can start to organize your resources. So the first thing to realize is that you're not limited to a single AWS account. And AWS accounts serve as quite handy containers for related resources. So they, they give you a billing and a security boundary around them. Um, AWS organizations uh, allows you to define a management account, and then you can link other accounts in um, as member accounts of that organization. Uh, this means that you can have a whole bunch of accounts uh, without have, adding a lot of management overhead. Uh, you can also group related accounts under organizational units. Organizations allow you to define service control policies, which are a policy type um, that doesn't grant permissions, uh, but it serves as a sort of permissions boundary around, um, around accounts, member accounts. Um, and so you can use this to set constraints on member accounts, for example, limiting workloads to specific regions or maybe limiting EC2 to only a subset of instance types or limiting to uh, a specific set of services. Um, you can also use AWS Control Tower if you're just getting started to help you set up a new multi-account environment. So this uses organizations under the hood. Um, and it also provides a, a pre-made set of preventative and detective guardrails. Uh, so the preventative guardrails use service control policies, and then the detective ones use AWS config. So if you're just getting started with your multi-account environment, I would, I would take a look at uh, AWS control tower. Resource tagging gives you a, another more lightweight mechanism to classify your usage uh, within and across accounts. So a tag is just a key value pair that can be associated with a resource. Um, but because you can use tags for multiple purposes, so you can use them to target resources for automation processes or for access, um, the tags that you use for cost allocation need to be specifically activated from the billing console. So if we just head into the billing console um, and under cost allocation tags, you can see there are user-defined tags and AWS-generated tags, um, and the vast majority of them are inactive. Uh, to activate a tag for cost allocation, just select it and activate it. And once activated, that's going to be available in the AWS cost reporting tools. Uh, for tags to be really effective, they need to be used consistently. So you should define a tagging strategy that works for you and then stick to it. Um, infrastructure as code can, can be helpful here. Uh, and you can also take a look at tagging policies and service control policies to enforce tagging standards. Um, I'd also say it's never too early to tag your resources. It's a lot easier to consistently tag resources from day one than it is to try to go back and tag a bunch of existing resources. So as well as cost allocation tags, from within the billing console, we can define cost categories. Um, and these allow you to uh, use rules to break up your, uh, your usage across your organization in ways that are meaningful to you or your company. So each category that you create uh, contains multiple values, and then each value is associated with a rule that defines what usage falls under that value. Uh, so in this example, I'm defining a category of departments, and then I've got uh, values of research and products. Uh, and then cost categories also allow you to define split charges and have those allocated across the other values in the category. That can be really handy for shared costs like networking infrastructure or support charges. Um, 
The rules themselves can be based on account IDs, cost allocation tag values, charge type or service. So if I just drop in and see how these are, are defined in here, you can see, for example, the operations um, shared cost. That's defined by anything running in any of my uh, operations accounts. Um, and the support shared cost is defined as anything where the service is a, a support service. Uh, and again, like, uh, like tags, your cost categories, once defined, will be available in the AWS reporting tools. AWS Cost Explorer allows you to visualize your cost and usage data fairly easily. Uh, you can filter the usage in lots of ways, and that includes your predefined cost categories and cost allocation tags. Um, and you can group the uh, filtered data on uh, a range of dimensions of interest, including service or region. And again, you can use your cost categories and uh, cost allocation tags. Um, it provides access to the last 12 months of data at either monthly or daily granularity. And optionally, you can enable hourly granularity um, so you can see per hour per resource level data for the past two weeks. You can enable Cost Explorer from the management account of your organization, um, and you can choose to grant access to either all or none of your member accounts. And those member accounts will only see the costs for their own account. The, the management account can see costs across the whole organization. If you need to dive a bit deeper into your cost and usage data, then you can enable cost and usage reports from the billing console. This is the most detailed and granular report that we provide. Uh, your CUR, so I've already generated one. Um, your CUR data is delivered to an S3 bucket of your choice. Um, and you can either choose a, a compressed CSV file format, or you can select Parquet, which is a, a binary format optimized for columnar data. Um, when you create your CUR, you can also choose to enable Athena integration. Um, that will force you to use Parquet formats. Um, but what that means is that you can query your data in, in Athena. Um, if I go into that bucket that I defined, you'll find uh, a YAML file, which is a cloud formation template that will deploy uh, a group glue crawler. Um, that's going to regularly check your S3 bucket for updates. It's then going to update a glue data catalog with any schema changes. Um, and then because AWS Athena integrates with Glue, you can then use Athena to query your CUR data. So if I jump into oh, if I jump into Athena, um, you can see there's a, a CUR database here. So I could do something like uh, search from CUR, um, where year is this year? Oops, and month is um let's say last month and let's just limit it so we don't get a huge response and there you go you get a bunch of data back and you can see that it's um hugely detailed there's loads and loads of information about each um each hourly item of usage um, there's a data dictionary i can provide a link to that um, that will tell you what all of those um columns mean, but essentially you can dive super deep into your cost and usage data. Um, you can build visualizations on top and quick size uh, and can deploy. They aren't officially supported as a service, but they are a good way to get started. Um, I'll give you a link to the workshop that takes you through how to set it all up, but it's actually pretty straightforward because there's a script that automates it. Um, <coughs> what that script does is create a bunch of views um, in Athena. Uh, and then QuickSight dashboards on top of that. So if I go into QuickSight and go to dashboards, this is what it what it deploys. 
I don't. This is what it deploys. And you can see that it's got um, some summary sheets at the start that give you some overviews of your cost and usage with loads of useful breakdowns. Um, if I had uh, reserved instances or savings plans, this would tell me all about them, tell me when they were um, due to expire, how much I've saved this month. Month-on-month um, -month trends for identifying things that are unusual. Um, and then also um, separate tabs to dive into specific services. So it's just a really nice way to quickly get up and running um, with some good visualizations that you can share with your colleagues and your business. Finally, I just want to show you how you can use AWS budgets to keep track of your cost and usage um, and to receive alerts when you exceed or are forecasted to exceed predefined limits. So in the billing console, I'm just going to go to create budget. I'm going to create a cost budget. Uh, let's call it uh, R&D. And I'm going to create a monthly budget against a fixed amount of $100. I'm going to limit this down. Uh, to just the usage in my um, research department. So that's using a cost category that I've already created of department. Oops. Um, and we'll choose the research department. Okay. So now I'm going to add an alert threshold of, let's say, 80% of the uh, budget. And when we hit that, I want them to email our research team and just let them know that they're spending too much money. You can also have this send SNS alerts or uh, chatbot alerts into Slack or something. I'm um, also going to add another alert at 100% when they actually reach the, the end of their budget. Again, we probably want to email the research team. Oops. Um, and let's also send an email to our um, cloud financial management team and our operations team. So I'm quite happy just an email being sent at 80%, but for the 100% one, uh, I'm going to add an action so that we actually do something. Um, you need to choose an IAM role that has permissions to perform that action. Uh, so I've, I've pre-created one. Uh, and then you need to decide what sort of action you want to take. So you can either uh, attach an IAM policy to a, a user or group, uh, a service control policy to an OU, or you can automate uh, EC2 and RDS instance stop. Uh, I'm going to choose service control policy. Uh, and I am going to add a service control policy that I've created that prevents any um, actions in the account. And I'm going to attach that to the Sandbox account. Uh, and I want to do that automatically when the threshold is exceeded because people who overspend their budgets don't get playtime. Okay, that all looks good. So we'll just create the budget and then give it a minute while it figures out what it's doing. And it should note that we're already exceeded that budget. So now if we go into AWS organizations um, and we go to the sandbox OU, then we should see under policies that our budget limit block has automatically been applied. Uh, and so now if I go back to, um, this is my sandbox account, um, and I just reload that page, I should see that I don't have access to anything anymore until I go and talk to somebody about money. So just as a recap, we've covered some basic security steps to protect your account from unauthorized use. 
Um, we've covered using multiple accounts, tagging and cost categories to organize your cloud resources. We've also looked at some ways to visualize your cost and usage uh, and covered how to create budgets and trigger actions on overruns. That's really, um, that's really great demo and uh, really interesting. Um, so it's, it's great to see the demo and then the, you know, the custom usage, but now we have Carolyn for live Q and A and we have got a lot of questions from the chat and it's been very active uh, in the chat. I can see a lot of people tuning in from different places. Uh, let's look at where people are coming from, like Manchester, UK, Maybe, Caroline, you might be familiar with that. <laughs> um, from I'm from further north, but my brother lives in Manchester. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and uh, we've got a lot of people from Virginia, from US, um, from Texas, and someone from Mars. So some aliens <laughs> joining live streaming. <laughs> but uh, thanks, everyone, for joining for the chat. And if you have any questions for Caroline, please feel free to drop in the chat. Uh, we're going to use live Q&A. So is anything related to AWS cost management um, or even about the technical account manager role at AWS? Like what does Caroline does? Like if you have any questions regarding that, uh, please drop in the chat. And Caroline's here to answer all the questions. So thanks, Caroline, for joining today. Um, we we have got some great questions and a lot of interactions on the chat as well. So that's really great to see. Uh, before we dive into like your story behind uh, your career and also your job, I just want to have a quick questions. Um, two questions actually. First one is, what's what's your top tips for cost optimizations on AWS? Yeah, so I felt like cost optimization was a whole different um, session in itself. You could talk about how to save money on AWS for, for a long time. Um, but yeah. I guess if I had to kind of pick a few things, um, only using what you need uh, would be my key one. So um, make sure that yeah. if you're running something and it's not in use, you turn it off. Um, especially, uh, like I said, if it's not a production workload, if you've got dev workloads, you can automate just shutting them down on evenings and weekends. Um, if you're, if you um, have steady state workloads, um, so production workloads that are running all the time um, and you know they're going to be running for a while, then you can look at some of the commitment options so you get a better price for those, so savings plans yeah. and reserved instances. Um, making sure that what you are running is the, the right size, that you're not running EC2 instances that are way overpowered for the workloads yeah. that you're, you're running. Um, so something like Compute Optimizer can help make some recommendations um, around that. So it can look at what, what you're running and, you know, if you it'll pick up instances that have low CPU usage but, um, and aren't, aren't doing much and make some suggestions about what you might want to use instead. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, infrastructure as code, I guess, generally trying to do everything because that makes it easier to clean stuff up again. Um, yeah. If you've deployed everything as a stack, it's easy to mm. tear it all down as a stack. Um, yeah. And maybe also uh, make sure that for your storage, you're, you're using the right storage tier. So you're not mm -hmm. keeping everything in, say, your main S3 when it could be sitting in a, an archive tier. Yeah. Um, take a look at like intelligent tiering, that kind of thing to, right. to automatically shove your data into archive layers when you don't need it. Mm -hmm. um yeah 
Yeah, no, that's really that's really great. As you talk about rice size and you talk about compute optimizer, um, some discount programs like savings plans and reserved instances. If anyone have any questions around that, please feel free to reach out to myself, my or Caroline's on LinkedIn. So I'll drop their link uh, later on the show. I have got another questions before um, the uh, your IT journey. This is the questions from the from the audience. So uh, let me just find where is the question. So the question is around. Oh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> what is the <laughs> difference between Control Tower and AWS organization from Lakshmi? If I'm pronouncing your handles correctly. Okay, so I think somebody started to answer this in the chat actually. That um, yeah, Control knows, Tower. Yeah, they know that. Control <laughs> Tower uses organizations. So I think the idea, idea behind Control Tower is that it pulls together a, a few different AWS services to give you a kind of easy way of managing mm -hmm. and governing your multi-account environment. So it yeah. uses organizations to to set up your your account so structure. They go hands in hand together. Yeah, and it uses you know things like config uh, to give mm -hmm. you so. So the organization SCPs give you um, guardrails that are kind of enforced, like you can't go beyond them. They're, they're preventative. So you can't create things in your organization that break those. But there are also config guardrails that are more detective. So they'll let you do stuff, but they'll identify when you do something and they'll flag it up and you can then trigger alerts or remediations or whatever um, off the back yeah. of those. Um, yeah, so so Control Tower is kind of an, an overarching service that pulls together a lot of different things. Awesome. Thanks, Caroline. So, Lakshmi, hopefully that answers your questions. Uh, and now let's shift into your IT journey. So, first of all, like you have a really interesting background. And uh, I want to know how did you get into the IT journey of like where you are at AWS? So, <laughs> um, sort of by accident. Um, so, I've tended to just kind of follow what I was interested in for mm -hmm. my career. So when I when I was a kid, I was really into genetics. I just thought it was really cool. Um, so I went to study molecular biology. Um, and as I was kind of getting to the end of my degree, that was kind of the time when, you know, the human genome was being sequenced and all of that kind of large scale genomic stuff was just happening. Um, and in order to do that, uh, you needed a lot of compute power to make that possible. Um, and most of the teams that I worked with didn't really have any IT experience. And often the, the university IT teams were great at doing, you know, Windows and email, and but they'd never really had to support HPC, like high performance compute systems yeah. or um, provide researchers with Linux machines. And so we had to kind of do all that stuff ourselves. Um, and so I just picked up a whole bunch of, of IT skills as I went through my PhD and, and went through my postdocs. Um, and then when we moved over to New Zealand, um, the first job I got was was just as a Linux admin. Um, it wasn't a, a research role. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I got to a point where if I was going to kind of move up in my career, I'd have had to go into management. And then I wouldn't get to play with all the, all the shiny all the computers cool anymore. <laughs> yeah, all the cool stuff. Um, and so uh, that's kind of why I moved to AWS, because, you know, it's big enough and interesting enough that, mm -hmm. that there are roles like that where you can have an aspect of management and dealing with people but you still get to kind of be involved in new technologies yeah. and yeah well that's really interesting so you started off where you love your where your passion is and you you're slowly picking things up on the way and now here you're at aws um we have got one questions from from the audience so 
Suzzy Buzzy. Okay, so this is an interesting question. So what do you like best about working at AWS? What do you say, Caroline? Um, like selfishly, I think the thing I like most about it is that it's always interesting. I, I get bored quite easily and I, I've yeah. never got bored at AWS. There's always there's always new things to learn and new mm -hmm. problems solve, and especially in the TAM role because you're out in your customers the whole time yeah. and you're learning about their businesses and their problems and figuring out how you can kind of bring all the AWS resources to bear to fix their problems. Um, yeah, I've, I've, ne I've been here for two and a half years and I, I've never been bored. Uh, so, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably what I like most. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of st things going on and you can still do your day job, but you can do like like today, you can be on the show and do yeah. something different. So, um, yeah, that keeps you interesting so far. That's good. <laughs> I think also um, there's a lot of support as well. I mean, obviously, if you're in a job where you're constantly learning new things, that could be mm. quite exhausting yeah um, but everybody here is so willing to to help you know if you have a question mm -hmm. people are so willing to to kind of talk to you and help you out it's just a really nice working environment that's, that's awesome right. i've got I... one more question here yeah. um, do you have any tips for students graduating from college trying to get into the work environment in tech so early careers kind of question i don't know if i'm the right person to ask because as i say i sort of <laughs> i sort of did it by accident um, but I think, I think if you if you just like learning stuff and solving problems, um, start pick up some. Yeah, just just go go and find uh, some tutorials and things online. Start playing with with AWS. Start playing with this stuff, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. It's and did you easy start to get started? I see. Um, and did you start off with certifications at all when? You started off with, um, like, around with AWS? No, I actually, I didn't do any certifications until I started working for AWS. Um, I think certainly when we're hiring TAMs, a lot of what we look for is the ability to learn things and, and a general kind of technical aptitude rather than necessarily specific certifications. I mean, it's, it's, they're nice to have and it's nice to be able to say, look, I can demonstrate that I can do this. Um, but if your career demonstrates that as well, then I don't think it's a blocker not having them. Yeah, I think that goes to the next question. I'm sure this is the last question because we're at the time. Um, okay. So, um, can you describe your role at AWS from Kenyan, if I'm pronouncing it correctly? Uh, so, what do you say, Caroline? Uh, so, how long have I got? Like, no, no minutes to do this. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the TAM role is pretty broad. So, we work mainly with enterprise support customers, and each TAM generally has a relatively small number of AWS customers that, that they work with. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have the opportunity to build sort of a long-term relationship with them. Um, and we're there to kind of help them achieve their business goals on, on AWS and make sure that their the platform provides what they need to, to achieve whatever they're trying to achieve. Um, and so some of that is reactive. So some of that is making sure that their support cases are being handled properly and escalating anything that's business critical for them, making sure that, that they're getting any issues resolved quickly. Um, but a lot of it is more proactive. So it's looking at their environments and identifying any potential risks, recommending how they can mitigate those. Um, it's uh, identifying any areas where we think we could help and bringing in other AWS resources to talk to them about about services they could use or um, yeah all kinds of different things they could do uh, we do a lot of things like cost optimization looking at where their 
where their money's going and whether there's any way we could we could save them money. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's quite a varied role. Um, yeah. And we also we're also kind of the customer advocate within AWS. So if there are features or services that we don't provide right now that the customer really needs, that's something that we can kind of make the case for internally and talk to our service teams to say, you know, there's a, a real demand for this this feature. Um, and that's, I mean, pretty much how AWS decides what what they should be working on um, in terms of new features and things. It's all based on on customer needs. Yeah, uh, oh, that's yeah. that's that's really awesome. Um, it's a very diverse role, and a lot of things involve a lot of like stakeholder management, and it's still like technical management and all these things. So that's it's very interesting. So uh, for all the viewers who want to reach out to Caroline, I just dropped a link in the chat. Um, it's a linked um, connection to the Caroline if you want to reach out and get her advice on the TAM role, get, get more questions with Caroline, and get connected. So now, um, thanks, Caroline, so much for spending the time with us today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure we cover all the questions from the audience as well. Let's talk awesome, a little thanks. bit about, um, thanks, thanks, Caroline. Um, so let's talk a little bit about certification, Mai, shall we? Uh, yeah, before you do, um, I think you have all the resources ready for your views today. I am going to drop it in the chat as well. So some of the links uh, from Carolyn that she talked about, um, if you want to go and check it out, uh, they are a very easy workshop, some of the tutorials and a white paper to get you started and around the cost management. And there are a lot of tools and services around. So this is a very focused link uh, around the cost and optimization usage. So uh, if you have any any questions, please feel free to reach out to myself and Mai as well. All right. Speaking of certification, um, from the certification perspective, cost optimization is a huge part of determining if that answer might be correct. So hot tip, it is a very good idea to have a look at the well-architected framework white paper. Um, that's available for free. Um, May might drop the uh, the link in the chat if she can find it. So if you're, especially if you're sitting the solutions architect associate um, and even the cloud practitioner, uh, it will be useful for those. And I found it especially useful for solutions architect professional. Mm-hmm. So if you're going for the pro cert, definitely have a look at the uh, well-architected framework white paper. Um, but it's useful for all other certs as well. Um, and on this screen here, uh, you have the um, some of the, some of them. Like, if you're based in uh, Australia, uh, you might find this useful because they are half price exam vouchers uh, that are available for those only based in Australia, unfortunately. Um, and there's other resources here. I'm sure some of you are already part of the the Cloud Up program, uh, but if you're not, uh, that is a really great program for you to uh, get started and getting certified. So it's a free program for those that. Uh, are eligible for that particular program, as well as Skills Builder as well. So um, have a look at the free digital training that's available there, and it has all the exam readiness um, courses that are available for you. I believe some of them are for free, so uh, let's definitely get on on top of that. All right, so uh, hope to see you in the next episode in about a month's time. And we'd love to hear your feedback on what kind of topics you'd love to hear more about. 
And if you identify as a woman or non-binary and have built something really awesome on AWS, we'd love to have you here on our show as a guest. So reach out to us via uh, our LinkedIn profile or join the LinkedIn AWS She Builds group for more events coming your way. And if you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can scan the QR code, uh, which I'll put up in a minute, for any upcoming events. And this is my... And this is May. Let's net out together on AWS She Builds Tech Skills. Hope to see you soon.